Welcome to We Talk Banking and Finance from Walkers, where every fortnight we talk to colleagues and peers about the latest trends in offshore finance. Welcome to Walkers We Talk Banking and Finance podcast. My name is Zoe Hallam and I'm a group partner in the banking and finance team in Guernsey. On today's podcast, we're going to be speaking to Tristan Maltby, group partner in Jersey, as to the rise and fall and rise again of the Jersey Property Unit Trust. But before we get to Tristan, I have the honour of welcoming Alex Wickens into the studio with me today. Alex is the newest joiner in the banking and finance team globally, I think probably, having been with us for only a matter of weeks. Alex has also been recognised, as we already know him to be, as a rising star by Legal 500 last week. So uh, congratulations, Alex, and welcome. Thanks, Zoe. I mean, that's uh, I appreciate that from someone who's obviously a completely risen star in the Legal 500 rankings. So thank you. It's not going to be any shock to you that this is uh, my first time on a banking and finance podcast. A little about me. This is my 10th year in private practice in Guernsey, and my practice generally focuses on real estate finance and Islamic finance. And yeah, I was delighted to join uh, Zoe and Kim Paver's team as a senior counsel a couple of weeks ago, and I really hope that my experience is going to dovetail nicely with their thriving fund finance and asset finance practices. Well, Alex, we're delighted to have you, Um, and in true Walker's fashion, we're going to put you on the spot in your first few weeks with us. Um, So let's chat quickly about what you're seeing on your desk at the moment um, and the recurring themes that are up in client conversations. Well, I think probably the most interesting theme that we've seen at Walkers recently um, is the increased use of pre-transaction enforcement memos. Uh, Thankfully, not a major increase in enforcement actions themselves. Uh, but lenders are definitely keen to understand a little bit more about the Channel Island specifics involved in enforcing their security and the nuances of Channel Island's insolvency processes. It's an approach that walkers uh, wholly support because, you know, there are nuances, uh, not just between the two islands, uh, but actually just in terms of um, considerations, whether or not you've got security over shares in a company, uh, unit trusts, LP interests, uh, receivables under contracts or, or, or bank accounts. As to the, the why, it's probably a, as a result of uh, additional prudence and, and governance being exercised by lenders. I mean, that prudence is likely born of two things, we imagine. Um, One, the effects of a second financial crisis caused by the pandemic, uh, not that long in real terms after 2008 crash, but also on a more sort of positive note, the the consistent growth in facility sizes over the last 10 years. I mean, the, the higher the facility amount, the greater the exposure. So additional due diligence on the part of lenders is, is probably to be be expected. Is there anything that you've you've noticed, Zoe? Yeah, no, I, I'd wholeheartedly agree with that. I think enforcement memos are becoming um, sort of routine um, on, on our transactions, and as you as you touched on, especially the importance of how you enforce that structural security over your over your offshore vehicles. So, um, having spent some hours already on one this morning, it's very much at the forefront of my mind. And I think the other thing that I'm sort of seeing. At the moment, um, we're at the forefront with the onshore firms of this LIBOR transition process um, and how that's impacting, you know, security at an offshore level um, in relation to, you know, sort of security confirmations, opinions, that sort of thing. The onshore lawyers who listen will be more than familiar with that with that process of, of LIBOR transition, obviously more of an issue uh, for them than it is for us. But 
but increasingly um, we're seeing inquiries across our desks and and uh, and looking to advise on that um and which which ties in neatly to a uh, note that we have just published um across guernsey jersey uh, bvi and cayman as to the implications of libel transition on on your security documents so uh, that can be found on the walkers website well thanks alex for joining us on the walkers we talk banking and finance podcast i hope this is the first of many podcast outings for you and that we'll be hearing from you again soon thank you very much zoe yeah i hope to uh, join you again on the podcast soon so today we're joined by Tristan Mortby. Tristan is the newest partner in Walker's Jersey office and very glad that he is a banking and finance partner. He's been with Walker's for almost two years now. And I think prior to that, Tristan, you were with another Jersey firm for six years. That's that's right, huh? That is, that's correct, Zoe, yeah. So over those eight years, I imagine you have uh, done quite a few real estate finance transactions in your Jersey career um, and built up quite a close affinity with the Jersey Property Unit Trust, or, or as we like to call them, the J-Puts. Um, Tristan, go on. Firstly, tell me, what is a J-Put? Thanks, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah, to be fair, uh, uh, my practice is really is really dominated with real estate finance. And, and as you alluded to, um, J-Puts form a, a pretty significant proportion of, of the uh, Jersey vehicles that we see in those kind of, kind of structures. And I will confess right now, I absolutely love Jersey Property Unit Trusts or J-Puts, as I'll refer to them lovingly. Um, and anyone that's kind of dealt with uh, UK commercial property or real estate finance, I'm sure will have will have come come up against or, or seen uh, Jersey Unit Trusts in those structures. Um, and they're absolutely fantastic vehicles through which to acquire and hold UK commercial property. And they're extremely popular. So much so that whenever I'm in London, I like to play a little game that I call I Spot a J-Put, uh, where I tend to walk around central London seeing how many buildings I can I can kind of count that have been held through uh, Jersey Property Unit Trust structures. Um, admittedly, it's not a very popular game. Uh, I tend to limit it to myself. The kids aren't particularly uh, big fans of it. And um, if you mention it out loud to other people, they tend to look at you slightly, slightly fun- in a funny way. Uh, but I guess the cat's out of the bag there. I've, I've kind of said it out loud here. So um, that's that's probably a little bit too much on the inner workings of my geeky mind. So um, going back to basics as to what is a, a J-Put, well, in, in terms of a legal, the legal structure, uh, a J-Put is a form of Jersey Trust uh, established in accordance with the uh, Trust's Jersey Law 1984. Most commonly, um, they're established to hold UK commercial property. Um, now, the J-Puts, they, they don't have separate legal personality, so they contract through an act via their trustees. As a matter of Jersey law, um, a J-Put only needs a single trustee. But where we're dealing with UK commercial property, where that property is held directly by um, the J-Put trustee, mm-hmm. uh, we tend to see them established with um, at least two trustee companies. And that's not a Jersey law requirement. It's a, it's a it's to deal with an English law um, property requirement so that legal title to the property can be split between the two trustees to deal with um, the overreaching of, of overriding interest. So that's a, that's really an English law requirement that drives um, JPUT's being established with, with more than one trustee. So uh, JPUT trustees 
hold uh, legal title to the trust fund, which uh, in, in most cases that we deal with in real estate finance transactions tends to be UK commercial real estate. And they hold that property on trust for the benefit of the unit holders in accordance with the terms of the JPUT trust instrument. Now, each unit holder will be issued units, which are very similar to shares in a, in a company. Uh, and each unit holder has an undivided beneficial interest in the trust fund in proportion to the number of units that they hold in the trust. And really, the rights of those unit holders are set out in the terms of um, the JPUT trust instrument. So that's really a, a really 101 on, on what a JPUT, a JPUT is. Um, they're really, really flexible vehicles. Uh, Jersey trust law is, is pretty permissive when it comes to regulating the relationship between the trustees and, and the unit holders. So they're really very flexible vehicles that can be sort of drafted, well, the trust instruments can be drafted in, in, in a huge variety of ways to really accommodate almost any kind of commercial arrangement that you could that you could imagine it's great to hear you speak so passionately about jay puts tristan i uh, i am in awe of passion that you have for them um and so i think you're definitely the right person to to have on the podcast today uh, to go into sort of you know the inner workings of them and, and why they have been you know so widely used in the real estate industry um Perhaps you want to start, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about the recent history of the JPUT? So really, the um, as a brief, a, a really a brief introduction and a brief history of, of the JPUT, really the, I suppose the, the golden years for the JPUT were, were really the years leading up to March 2006, because up until that point, uh, there was a UK um, seeding relief exemption from stamp duty land tax, which was available when a UK property was contributed into a newly formed JPUT in consideration for the issue of units. Um, and that obviously um, allowed, uh, well, provided the opportunity for, for investors to to invest, uh, to save um, pretty dramatically on, on that stamp duty land tax. So um, up until 2006, there were, there were just a huge number of a huge number of JPUTs that were established in Jersey uh, to, to benefit from that seeding relief exemption. Gordon Brown then came along uh, as chancellor under under New Labour and announced um, that from March 2006 that seeding relief exemption would would be withdrawn. Um, cue a line of people st- uh, lining up to sort of predict the death of the Jersey Property Unit Trust and that it would it would sort of never be seen again. I suppose in the short run there was a there, were, there was a huge rush of people incorporating JPUTs uh, in Jersey to try and take the benefit of that of that seeding relief exemption while it was still available. And I wasn't here in Jersey at the time, but speaking to um, a few few people that were, uh, they really were. Pretty pretty intense times where, um, to to some extent, all all some people were really doing were, were kind of JPO incorporation uh, establishment transactions. I'm really pleased to say that following that 2006 withdrawal of the two, uh, of the seeding relief exemption, that the JPO remained. There are a huge huge number of advantages of using a JPO, many of which uh, are still the case today. Um, that that mean make it a really attractive vehicle for holding UK commercial real estate. So despite not being able to make that stamp duty land tax uh, saving, um, people continue to use uh, JPOs to hold their UK commercial real estate. So I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to discuss a little later on some of the advantages of, of the JPUT, but they, they, they endured following the withdrawal of that of that seeding relief exemption. So between 2006 and really, uh, I suppose, 2017 um, to 2019 is, is sort of the next period where um, there, was a, there was a steady stream of, of JPUT incorporations and also across across the desk of a, of a Jersey finance lawyer, JPUTs kept cropping up because, as, as I say, you had that, that sort of 
backlog of, of old transactions were, uh, with JPUTs um, as the as a sort of the, the property holding entities that, that were coming through our desks um, via refinancings and things like that. So they continued to be to generate a, a huge amount of work for us. So everything was kind of going going along pretty nicely. Uh, and then in I think it was the autumn 2017 budget, very, very quietly, it was announced that gains on disposals of uh, UK property by uh, non-UK resident um, landlords would be brought within the scope of UK commercial uh, capital gains tax, uh, which obviously brought um, Jersey Property Unit Trusts that held English English property squarely within within that regime, and, and it was announced really really quietly. It was hidden away in some in some notes to the uh, to the budget, so it went slightly unnoticed for a few days. And, and I remember reading about it and, and sort of seeing this was this was on the cards and thinking actually this could be this could be pretty pretty catastrophic for the JPUT. I'm pleased to say though that between that announcement um, and the, the the laws actually coming into force in in the UK, there was a, a a pretty intense period of consultation with industry, and throughout all of that, um, many many interested stakeholders really championed the JPUT as a as a really important vehicle for channeling foreign investment into UK commercial property. Um, and as a result of that, uh, there were a number of exemptions from UK capital gains tax that were that were agreed and that now are available uh, when you're investing in UK commercial property through a JPUT. And and the most the most obvious one that we we tend to see uh, when we're dealing with um, real estate finance transactions is the um, transparency election, uh, whereby the unit holders of a JPUT can now elect that the JPUT will be uh, transparent for UK capital gains tax purposes. So that preserved the ability to structure your JPUT as a UK uh, tax transparent vehicle, which is really important when you um, when you when you think about the ultimate investors who tend to be on these on these large real estate finance transactions. They tend to be tend to be uh, UK tax transparent investors, such as pension funds or, or sovereign wealth funds. So that ability for them to have a, a UK tax transparent vehicle within their structures um, it is really is really important. So um, so that exemption really really is 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 pretty pretty important to us and has has meant that I think there was some there was quite a bit of doom and gloom when the uh, when the the budget was announced again. People lining up to predict the end of the JPUT, but those exemptions really have have preserved them as a as a really important structuring vehicle. It's really interesting to hear actually how the the JPUT has obviously survived the challenges of the withdrawal of the seeding relief exemption and then the 2017 tax changes and the challenges that that faced. Um, you know, as you're aware, we obviously have a, a similar vehicle in Guernsey, the, the Guernsey Property Unit Trust or or GPUT for another original title. Um, but it certainly hasn't gained the same traction in the UK real estate market um, as the JPUT has. Um, you touched briefly on tax transparency there, but you know, I guess very quickly, you know, a few words. Why do the JPUTs continue to remain a popular choice of vehicle um, through which to hold UK real estate? Yeah, thanks, Zoe. And and to short circuit all of this, I, I would just. Um, Draw your listeners to uh, the Walkers website because we've produced a couple of articles on uh, the benefits of using Jersey Property Unit Trust. So um, there's quite a bit of detail on that in 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 those notes. So I, I would encourage your your listeners to to go off and, and have a have a quick read of those because um, that's that's in much more detail. But you're right. Um, the advantages and and the reasons why JPUs are continue to be popular are really, as you said, the ability to structure structure them to be tax transparent for both UK income tax purposes and UK capital gains tax purposes. Um, again, the sheer flexibility of the vehicle um, allowing sort of pretty much any any commercial arrangement between the unit holders uh, to be to be um, catered for within within the JPUs. Um, 
and also just the familiarity of the market with the JPUT. So if you are um, an investor and you want to acquire a property, you want a vehicle that you know you're going to be able to go out and get get third-party debt against. And all the main um, real estate financiers are very, very well aware and, and well used to dealing with JPUTs. So uh, if they see a JPUT on a, on a term sheet, they're, they're not going to run a mile. They know exactly what that is. Um, and as do as do all the onshore law firms, uh, very used to dealing with them. So um, it's not something that's going to scare off third-party uh, debt providers. And indeed, on an exit for investors, again, um, people that are looking to acquire these properties have, are so used to to seeing JPUTs in the market and acquiring properties via the transfer of units in a JPUT and investing in JPUTs that um, it, it doesn't really cause any issues on on an exit for the investor. So. Um, familiarity really is is a, is a great is a great advantage for for JPUTs in the commercial real estate market. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think the JPUT has made a real uh, name for itself and 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 has a real reputation in the market. Um, it, it is certainly, I think, here to stay. Um, which which would be music to your ears, I'm sure, um, as you continue uh, on your with your day's work later on. But um, you know, if we're looking to set up a JPUT, if, if people are are thinking about using a JPUT for for acquisitions um, in the UK real estate market, how easy is it to set one up? How quick is it? Um, and what are the the key steps for for anyone thinking about doing so? Yeah. So um, for, first of all, uh, I guess I would I would say um, what I'll talk about here is uh, a non fund uh, Jersey Property Unit Trust. So where we're we're looking at a single asset and and a limited number of investors. Um, they're really really quick and and pretty easy to to establish. But I think the first step for for any one of your listeners that's that's thinking about establishing a JPUT to acquire UK commercial real estate. Um, I think the first port of call has to be onshore tax advice to make sure that that is actually the the appropriate vehicle for for the uh, for the investment to be to be structured through. So, um, onshore tax advice should always be the first port of call. But assuming and hopefully that does come back uh, with a with a big tick against the JPUT. Um, once you've got that clearance, then uh, establishing the JPUT is a is a really quick and, and easy procedure and really. Uh, the main gating item um, from a Jersey perspective is obtaining what's called a COBO consent for the for the issue of units by the JPUT. Uh, and that tends to take um, around five days. So whilst the application's in for um, that COBO consent, um, really what, what the lawyers will be getting on in the background with is lining up um, a trustee or trustees who can either be uh, trustees provided by the uh, a, well, a specialist a professional regulated trust company, uh, or more more uh, normally, SPV trustee companies that are established to act as the trustee of the uh, of a specific trust. Again, that's that's a really a really quick and easy easy process. Uh, the lawyers in the background will be drafting the trust instrument because um, Jersey law requires a JPUT to be created by a written a written trust instrument, uh, and that can be documented again um, very very quickly. Um, the trustees will need to hold a board meeting to approve uh, their appointment as trustee and the execution of the trust instrument. And also, um, the trust will only come into existence once um, trust property has been, been contributed to it. So, again, that, that doesn't necessarily need to be a, a large UK shiny commercial property being contributed. It can be it can be established with a nominal sum of, say, one or two pounds just to get that trust up and running. So, so really for a non-fund uh, Jersey unit trust, uh, a really quick and easy process um, and really can be done within within a week with a, with a fair wind. 
So finally, Tristan, um, we, you know, Walkers has a strong Islamic finance practice across um, all of our global offices, and we are increasingly, I know you and I have worked on quite a few transactions recently, Islamic finance transactions and Sharia-compliant investments um, through the Channel Islands. Can you talk quickly about the role that Ajayput has on, on those structures? Sure, yeah. I mean, in terms of Islamic finance uh, and the transactions that we tend to see in, in Jersey and Guernsey uh, in, in sort of the real estate finance context, I think it's fair to say that the the Jersey company or, or a, a Guernsey uh, private company are really tend to be the the, the most common vehicles um, that we see in those in those Sharia compliant transactions. Um, but every now and again, we do see a, a Jersey unit trust um, cropping up in, in in those in those structures. As I've said before, they're really, really flexible vehicles, um, and there's absolutely no reason why they couldn't be used in a um, Sharia-compliant structure. Um, I haven't seen a huge number of them in a in, in a Sharia-compliant context. Well, that probably takes us quite nicely into our into our last section of um, of our session today, where we ask all our guests to bring along their their crystal ball, and uh, and and I'll ask you if we were having this conversation in twelve months' time, uh, what do you think we would be talking about in the offshore market? Now, you can you can talk about JPUTs again if you want, but feel free to uh, expand beyond JPUTs as to what your predictions are. <sighs> Thanks, Zoe. I mean, I, I've I've almost given up trying to make predictions, uh, given everything that's happened over the last sort of eighteen months. But um, I think that hopefully there's there's light at the end of the tunnel in in terms of the pandemic, and certainly London seems to be opening up, which for a real estate finance lawyer is is really is really great news. Um, and hopefully that will see some form of normality returning to to um, the UK and uh, the UK commercial real estate market, and and hopefully increase confidence. Um, in that market. So I think the fact that we've got Brexit certainty, um, the UK's uh, COVID vaccination programme is being rolled out really successfully. I think there really is a, a, a good chance that the UK is going to be hopefully back to normal uh, in 12 months time, which I think will fuel uh, investor confidence in, in the commercial property market. So I expect to see uh, increasing volumes of, of acquisitions in, in um, the UK commercial real estate market. In terms of sectors, I think the logistics and warehousing um, sectors of the market will continue to be really, really hot, fueled perhaps by uh, the, the kind of the, the, the I suppose, the, the structural changes that have been uh, accelerated by the, by the pandemic to people's shopping habits. So um, I think that will continue in the office sector. I mean, the jury's really still out on, on home working and, and to what extent that will really um, become the norm or, or, or how much time people do spend and, at home versus the office and the implications that have for, for kind of office space that, that um, companies require. I think the office will always be um, relevant and office space will always be required. And so I think there'll continue to be uh, investor demand for sort of your prime grade A office space that's uh, been developed with sort of ESG credentials and um, employee well-being at the heart of it, and indeed during during the pandemic, we've seen a number of those sort of trophy deals for for Grade A office space uh, going through despite despite lockdown. So that's great. Great, thanks ever so much, Tristan. Really, really interesting to hear um, you know the history of the JPUT, um, what, what what we're seeing it being used for um, in the real estate market. Uh, today and I think I challenge anyone to walk away from today without a little bit of your love for the JPUT so thanks for giving us a comprehensive overview no problem I'm delighted thanks thanks very much for having me
You've been listening to We Talk Banking and Finance from Walkers, your bi-weekly podcast with the latest insights from around our teams in Europe, Asia, and the Caribbean. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. 